This is Maria Vasquez Boyd, and you're listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Folks, it's time for Art Speak Radio on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd. I'm here from noon till one, and we've got a great lineup. We do every week. We've got John Brick, we have Faviola Calimar, Kim Lindberry, and Donna Davis with us. So stick around, we'll be right back. Time for Artspeak Radio. We're happy to have you aboard. Listening to us online at kkfi.org or through your car radio, your phone app, and all of that stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've got, as I mentioned, a great lineup. Today we're going to talk with John Brick, and we're going to start off talking with Donna M. Davis. And we're going to discuss Class of COVID-19, which is a documentary film that's now available on Amazon Prime Video as part of the Prime Video Direct Content Submission Portal. Now, this award-winning documentary film, Class of COVID-19, was produced in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Again, it's now available on Prime Video as part of the Prime Video Direct Content Submission Portal in the United States and the United Kingdom. Now, this is directed by local filmmaker John Brick. Class of COVID-19 explores the challenges of educators, students, and families faced during the first 12 months of the coronavirus pandemic in the United States. The issues such as the inequities of school resources, student activism during the pandemic, and struggles with mental health that come to light. Now, the film provides an intimate portrait of the resilience and courage demonstrated by both inside and outside the classroom, bringing optimism and inspiration to all. Thank you so much for joining us, Donna M. Davis and John Brick. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you so much for having us. us. You know, such a brilliant and important film, very heartbreaking and and earth-shattering in in some ways, how how everyone dealt with COVID, and it's just a a terrific film. And uh, I want to say congratulations to you for winning awards, um, including Best Long Documentary at the International Black Film Festival the Audience Choice Award at the Kansas City International Film Festival, and the Silver Remy Award from World Fest Houston International Film Festival. And it was one of the top 10 most viewed films at the Portland Film Festival and screened at the Twin Cities Film Festival. Congratulations to you both. Thank you so much. It was a fun ride. (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of work. You know, uh, did this idea inspire you as we were going through COVID prior to, you know, everything uh, before we shut down and all that? Well, 
we can we'll both kind of sure. go at it. So Don and I had decided to do a project mm-hmm. prior to COVID that winter before COVID, and it, it was an education project, and it was more about um, focusing on uh, how to teach history in the world of fake news Mm -hmm. and and so Mm -hmm. that was something that we were focusing towards and as we uh were moving forward with that uh lockdown happened right yeah Mm -hmm. and so when lockdown happened we said well you know this could be one of the most important uh times of our lifetimes why don't we focus on how education uh is gonna you know how education is gonna work during this uh lockdown period because there were so many unknowns and so literally the first few weeks after lockdown we just started interviewing a ton of students and educators through luckily via zoom we had the ability to do that and then it just kind of snowballed into it really did and we we, again we started off with a very small project and then out of no like we all know out of nowhere Mm -hmm. just we all got locked down and it was just lucky that i happened to be working with john on that small project Mm -hmm. because we were able to quickly shift gears and um, start documenting um, those experiences of those students, those teachers, school nurses, parents, all sorts of folks that we brought in, um, again, via Zoom, to um, just to start thinking about what it was like during those first really terrifying moments when we just didn't know what was going to happen. You know, and, and it's really interesting because I think this is a film that everyone can relate to, not only you know, because of the COVID, but if you are a teacher or if you're sending your children to school or grandchildren and that sort of thing, I think everyone has some something that they can relate to in this. And I know that um, that a lot of the, the film includes students and teachers from schools in the bi-state metropolitan community mm-hmm. with locations in and around Kansas City. So it was really kept it local. Mm-hmm. But it was a story that was really, I think, universal. Yeah. It was very universal, of course, but it's, it's nice that we had such a cross-section of folks that we could talk yeah. to right here in our community. So that was fantastic. We got great examples of students and teachers and, again, like I said, health professionals um, all in this, uh, right in this area. Mm-hmm. And we like to think that um, this is a time that we're that COVID's behind us, mm-hmm. and 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 it is sort of nice to look at this movie and look at this film and think about what we went through, yeah. and uh, look at it on the other side of it. Even though we've come through it, there's of course there's still um, issues, but to look back and see what we were dealing with during those first uh, horrifying um, days, weeks, and months. Uh, that's what I think is, is mm, important mm-hmm. for educators in particular, but for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that um, the, the, while the, the film is about COVID and education, we really kind of honed in on the mental health of mm-hmm. students and teachers because everybody went through that period. Oh, my gosh. We yes. also, uh, another important topic was the inequities of school resources. Mm-hmm. And then as the George Floyd event happened, which mm-hmm. everybody remembers, um, we had some of our students that became activists in the community. So we kind of followed the story of each one of those students and how they overcame adversity during that period and became better people and better kind of just they evolved and they became good people for their community. And we just felt that that was a really good example for people to see. Yeah, and it's important, too, because uh, the students that participated in the movie really told us that just their being a part of it was so important for their own mental health and their own growth and development. And um, I, I just think that I was, was, was happy to provide that outlet mm-hmm. for them to share their voices. And, you know, those, the, the things that are happening in schools right now as a result of COVID, if we look back at where that started, right. and we're still seeing so many challenges for teachers and students because we'd lost so much time. 
uh, together. So it's important to think about what that was like during this film and then see where we are mm -hmm. and what lessons there are to learn. You know, I, I will quote John as he says, unlike other films that cover the mm -hmm. pandemic, this is a hopeful story. With everything we've come to know about this very challenging time, it is wonderful to provide a glimpse into the lives of these extraordinary individuals and to learn such important lessons about the human spirit. And and I love that because, you know, again, we all have our take on what we experienced, what we saw, what, you know, what challenges we had, but it really is about when it comes down to it, the human spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think when you go through challenging times and everybody went through a challenging period, you know, you kind of define your character of how you handle yourself through those times. Mm -hmm. And we all yeah. know how a lot of this country reacted and how yeah. uh, divided we become and the hatred and anger. And that was everywhere. And I do think, again, that these students really were very mature and not only good kind of role models for people their age, but I think a lot of adults can learn from the message that they gave, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and it, it was just, it was, it was very inspiring and, and it, it gave, you know, it, it gave me the motivation to just really push this through film and, and just tell the stories of these really incredible people. So yeah, when you say human spirit, like, it, uh, that's definitely what it is because mm. you know we all want to we all want the same things in life I think and you know well and I, th I also like that you remind uh, your listeners that it's a hopeful story I mean yeah. I don't want people yeah. like oh my gosh okay, I don't want to say it but it's actually very very uplifting because of course we went through great trauma but um, what this film shows is just uh, how these kids overcame and um, how bright our future is because mm. of the well, because of them, quite frankly. So um, if you tune in, you'll be uplifted. I'll just say it that yeah. way. If you tune yeah. in, you will not be. It's not a downer at all. Well, and I'm glad, <laughs> and I'm glad that it's available for people to, to watch uh, on Amazon Prime Video as part of that uh, direct content exactly. submission. Mm -hmm. You know, because uh, I, it, I, there's something very rewarding about this film, again, with this human spirit, mm -hmm. but I think it, it helps as a timeline of where we've been, where we were, and where we are now. And, exactly. And it is hopeful. You know, I do have to ask you, uh, John and Donna, is this your first collaboration together? It, 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 it is. is. Yeah. It's like, yeah. we, yeah. We, again, we started on that smaller mm -hmm. thing, and mm -hmm. then it just became great, and John's become yeah. just a great friend, and I, I um, really, really admired his, you need to realize, we have probably about 200 hours of film uh, throughout this project of interviewing teachers and students from, again, both sides of the state line. Mm -hmm. And John had to take all of that footage and narrow it down into a 75-minute movie and do the storytelling and then uh, use some of the, the music and cutting that in with um, footage from real-life news yeah. coverage. And so just blending all of that together, I think John did a wonderful oh, job. We had, we all, as we all know, we had some extra time during COVID. Yeah, so. we had some, <laughs> some downtime. Yeah. A little bit. But, but normally, uh, in your other job, you are a PhD, yes. a professor at the University of Missouri-Kansas City, right? Right, yes, exactly. So was this uh, something, a new venture for you it's then? A new, it's a new, uh, a new way of, d of doing yeah. my research, but it's certainly not new, new research for me. Well, of course, Corbett was new, but yeah. just in terms of, um, I, I started out teaching high school English in Los Angeles a thousand years ago, <laughs> and just been aware of this idea of inequitable resources for schools and for kids, right. and so... 
so that storytelling, that piece has always been a part of my research, just history of education, uh, race and schooling, um, all of those things, multicultural education, that sort of thing. And so this was just a different way to tell that story. Most of my stuff is in journal articles, but this was much more fantastic with those personal voices and those, uh, those personal voices are just the, really, really brings it to life, so. Love it, love it. You know, if you just tuned into Art Speak Radio, I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd on 90.1 FM, KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. I'm talking with John Brick, who is the director uh, with Brick House Films, and Donna M. Davis, producer of Black Scholar Productions. We're talking about Class of COVID-19, which is a documentary film. You're both laughing. What, did I say something? No. Well, right. we just, <laughs> like, no, not at all. <laughs> like, uh-oh, did I get my notes <laughs> no, wrong? No, 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 you're doing fine. The Class of COVID-19, which is a documentary film, now available, and it really explores the challenges of educators, students, and families uh, that they faced during the first 12 months of the coronavirus pandemic in the United States. Now, in 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 making this, uh, you've selected your individuals that you've mm-hmm. talked with and all that. Have you done a follow-up since the film? I mean, and, and I mean that just catching up with them and, uh, or maybe they've contacted you and said, hey, this is where I am yeah. now. No, that's a really good question. Uh, people have asked that a lot. Fortunately, um, over the past year, we've done several community screenings, um, and some you know, we did one here in Kansas City at yeah, American yeah, Public Square, mm-hmm. and uh, the students will come out, and we can see them now, and they can kind of reflect. And I think, uh, you know, we're going to continue to do those. We we are doing educational screenings. That's mm-hmm. kind of one of our goals too, is to mm-hmm. get this film out into libraries and universities and out into the community and we have a provider that an education distribution partner that's helping with that but i think it is a really good question because we just know through social media and whatnot that some of our students like one's in law school mm-hmm. you know someone yeah. i can't you know yeah. who else is doing oh yeah stuff? they're all doing great well yeah. and i don't know yeah. no spoilers for the to tune in <laughs> but, the, yeah. but all the kids are doing great i mean they're yeah. we've got going into uh into um uh, communications uh, oh, and again law school and they're, they're just doing fantastic uh, work so um, so that's a good thing so if you do watch it you'll realize that whatever happened to those kids they're doing fabulous <laughs> but it, it would be cool like five years after where the world yeah. is and what they're doing and where this all stands because things are ever changing you know yeah. things are always changing and what was good about it again we developed great relationships with those us with everyone who participated and we sort of knew um we we, we knew them but mm-hmm. we also um have great relationships with them and they follow up with us and let us know they're doing just great mm-hmm. you know i love that i, I also thought well maybe this is it uh, goes into class of COVID 19 part two but <laughs> that's what but, we were thinking but you know i mean there's there's a lot to to a lot of information there but i i would be curious because you know it also not only did you experience it you know physically and firsthand and all that but mentally mm-hmm. i just wondered where they were and and Mm-hmm. you know in their lives because it, it really was such a a time that none of us have ever known before well one of the things i think came from this, and that, from this yeah. for them is that they did share a lot about their mental health challenges yeah. and and when i teach at uh, the courses i teach um when they're my freshman students mm-hmm. they're very they're this group of, of of students are far more open with that and i think mm-hmm. that's been a really mm-hmm. positive um thing so good yeah i mean they were in a vulnerable uh place and they just kind of spilt their souls to us because they trusted Mm -hmm. us and i think as part of that when people watch i think it triggers everybody 
because I think everybody yeah. during the pandemic related to something that these kids were going through. Mm -hmm. And that's the hopeful side of it is to, that, that yes, it might stir up a little of emotion, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it makes you feel better because you can talk about these things and you can be, you can overcome yeah. that kind of issue that you might've had. And I suppose that during the screening, when you have talkbacks mm -hmm. in, in the past, I, I think everyone has a story and everyone wants to tell a story. I think it opens up just this round of discussion, not only about your film and, and the certain members in that, that you highlight, but people want to share their experience. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, this happened to me and, and so on. Do you exactly. find that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it, it, well, it's always hard to get the first person to talk at <laughs> <laughs> a screening, yeah, you know. Yeah. But when they do, you know, then when people, I, I guess it's kind of like, you know, in today's times, it, it just people need that sense of community to open up about mm -hmm. feelings yeah. and big mm -hmm. issues. Yeah. And when they feel, you know, that yeah. they have similar beliefs and whatnot, they share those. And mm -hmm. we just, during COVID, we were so antisocial. And it's like, you know, in a lot of people, you know, <laughs> and so getting back into that sense of a community mm -hmm. screening and having others around mm -hmm. and um, just having those conversations. And I think everybody walks away with it, you know, feeling better about things. And Yeah, very and, much yeah. so. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that there's some continued conversations on the way home from, from screenings oh, and yes. all that, because, I certainly know that I would have these mm -hmm. conversations with whoever I was attending mm -hmm. with. You know, I want to share with our listeners that you can watch the trailer and find out more information about Class of COVID uh, at www.classofcovid19movie.com. Other social media platforms that we might yeah, find Yeah, we're on at? Facebook, of course, with mm -hmm. uh, Class of COVID-19 and Instagram and um, Threads, I think, now. Threads, and so, yeah, mm -hmm. it's uh, Class of COVID-19 movie mm -hmm. on Instagram mm -hmm. uh, and classic COVID-19 movie on Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, So they can and, follow us there. And, and you uh, can just go to also if you just go to uh, Prime Video and just search right. for us. Yeah. Prime or Video. if you yeah. search for the film on Google, we'll come up on Prime we'll Video. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I'm not surprised about the awards that you've won because I mean, it is a, a magnificent film. It's um, again, like I said, it's it's very hopeful. It's a hopeful it story. It really is. Yeah. So what is your upcoming plans anything going on that that you want to share with our listeners well we were just Either talking about together or separately <laughs> yeah just talking yeah. about that just kicking around some things because yeah. like i said I, I love working with john he's just a a great storyteller and um just a really uh great artist and yeah. so this is a wonderful thing yeah. thank you for having yeah. him and me well and this is a wonderful collaration you know i might suggest you know a documentary about uh latino um djs <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, at kkfi yeah, no, i'm no, just kidding absolutely. no i love, no, I love local radio <laughs> i really do no, no. but don't don't say but, that but i but i want to say you know john brick if you're familiar with him you've this mm. is not your first no, not documentary no. so I've i remember meeting you yeah, when I did, uh, I came on once or twice for Uncommon Allies, right, which right. was another Rosa. film made here in Kansas City yeah. with uh, uh, Rosalind, Rosalind Temple. Rosalind, mm -hmm. yes, thank yeah, you. and the work she does with the community and the police department. Um, she goes to every homicide scene in Kansas City, yeah. Missouri, to bridge the gap between the community and the police, which she's is an extremely a powerhouse. She's a woman. powerhouse, and it's a yeah. really so important relevant. role, especially uh, you These know days. with the murder mm. rate going on in our mm -hmm. city. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so just. To just things are kind of brewing a little things bit of conversations yeah, okay because yes. we want to see more from you oh, thank well, you yeah. well yeah i mean it's yeah. good to make films that spark conversation and hopefully yeah. you know influence things to go in a better direction than they are you know just because yeah. it's just there's you know 
we're living in strange times, and it's good to try to do Very good so. to have people have conversations about better things. Yeah, and Kansas City has a, a, so many fantastic stories, and so right? just waiting to be told. Right? So. Absolutely. Yeah, Very and they've good. been real supportive, you know, UMKC and oh, uh, friend, some other yes, organizations with grants. Oh, absolutely. that, UMKC. Yeah, I mean, in, in the Kaufman, like, you know, we wouldn't be able to make these films unless we got grants and supports along the way. Mm -hmm. So it's not like someone just came and gave us a handful of money from Hollywood. It's like no. we, <laughs> we, we, you know, we have a fiscal sponsor that we get set up called the International Documentary Association. And our, yeah, and our support from the Kaufman. From the mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. and the Beth Noble Fund and UMKC. But th those sure. enable us to get, you know, we have the idea, but that helps us to get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. And then the community screenings and university screenings around the country also helps. And that's uh, an organization that's doing that is called Collective Eye Films. And they're uh, our, uh, kind of our distribution arm to get this message to, again, to public libraries, universities, communities, and whatnot. So mm -hmm. oh, those great. were our goals. So just our like goals. The, our goals were to, to do two things, the education side, get it out in the classroom, and the entertainment yeah. side, get it on a streamer. And, and we did it. So we're, we're, we're excited. I love it. I love it. Well, you're, you two are welcome back anytime. Thank you, and so, thank you much. so much yeah. for having we, us. We love having you on today. We love being here. Best of luck. And again, congratulations thank on you. your wonderful awards. Hey, we're going to be right back with Artspeak Radio after this. Give the gift of a Johnson County Museum membership. Members enjoy free admission, discounts on programs and at the museum store, and invites to special events. Purchasing a membership supports the museum's efforts to share Johnson County's story and history, and helps provide field trips and other education opportunities for the community. Visit jocomuseum.org to learn more. This message is in support of KKFI 90.1 FM. From the Gilded Age to the 1920s, employers and allies used terrorism to control workplaces and communities. This week on the Heartland Labor Forum, we'll talk to Chad Pearson, author of Capital's Terrorists, Klansmen, Lawmen, and Employers, and find out how terrorism disempowered the working class and its unions. Then, What's it like to be a progressive in charge of a traditionally conservative labor union of prison guards? We'll talk to AFSCME Local 3654 President Lynn Fields, Thursday at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Friday at 5 a.m. We're back. This is Artspeak Radio. I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Thanks so much for making us a part of your day. Um, we're going to talk to Fabiola Calamiar and we're going to talk about art and, and all the wonderful things that she's created and just experiences as artists. She was born and raised in West Texas, currently resides here in Kansas City, Missouri, graduated from the Kansas City Art Institute in 2018 with an emphasis in painting. Now, she is a multimedia artist who incorporates her lava patterns into her projects. Her whimsical sense of, of color usually carries through most of the art that she creates. Now, through patterns from fabric or florals found in pieces that, in, in nature, she is often inspired by family history, animals, and cycles. Faviola focuses on creating themes, um, well, yeah, creating pictures, yeah, I lost my place. Faviola focuses on creating pieces that tell a story of struggle and repair. She often blends pieces of her memories into the art. Her themes include repairing and excess, healing through humor, trauma, and growth. Uh, someone told Faviola, while referring to her work, dead things could be the start of things. I love that. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hello. 
thank you. It's I need you to get real here. close. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I recently saw your your work, a body of your work, at the Wholesome Gallery at uh, their open studios uh, last month, I think it was. Let's talk about some of the work because it was really in, uh, just I really admired the work. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, um, I had pieces that I had collected over the years. Mm. Some of them had taken years to make. Um, I think the oldest one was from 20, 2018, mm. and the most recent one I had made two days before <laughs> the show. I love that. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's what we do. But, you know, there was a lot of humor, a lot of color, a lot of pattern and texture. You know, there was there were ways that you put the piece together that – there was humor in some of them, and some of them actually had some sort uh, a sort of statement that you you placed on on the piece. Um, what are your materials that you like to work with? Oh gosh, um, they are they kind of go in in phases. Right mm-hmm. now, it might be more textiles and sewing, but um, I've also sewn on like Duralar plastic. Mm-hmm. My poor sewing machine is so sad, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's definitely. Uh, it can do it. Um, I also upcycled sweaters to drawings to um, to polymer clay to paper clay. If I had a ceramic sort of studio, mm-hmm. I would love to do that, and maybe in the future I will. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it's a little all over the place. Well, have you always been drawn to art? Uh, um, you know, as I, I mentioned, you're from West Texas. Have you always been inspired by art, or, or wanted to create art as a young child and yeah I think that when I was five I think I felt really inspired by one of my siblings I'm I'm one of six so um they I've they were incredible and I felt like that's something that I wanted to try and Uh although I wasn't gifted um I worked really hard and then from there I kind of sprouted my own um style and luckily it's it's been with me ever since. Well, I would argue that you weren't gifted. I didn't know you at the time, but <laughs> you certainly are. I mean, your your work is is wonderful. Um, you know, and I, if you would share your Instagram with our listeners, so that maybe they can take a look as we're talking along. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my Instagram is Fabiola Calimayor. It's uh, my full name, no caps, no spaces. Um, it's F A V I C A F A V I O L A C A L Y M A Y O R. When you, so uh, again, born and raised in West Texas, did you come to Kansas City for, specifically for the Art Institute, uh, the education here? I did. Um, I spent a year at Austin College and uh, Professor Mark Smith, who was Mm -hmm. an alumni from KCAI, had recommended like, hey, Uh I think you should should be somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. I didn't do any research. I just kind of applied and... Market helped, and and then I've been here ever since. It's, yeah. What do you what do you think about the art community here? Because um, you've been here a few years now, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's been really beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think for my first couple of years, I've been, or I think even now, I think I tend to be really private, mm-hmm. and um, and I, I haven't really used the opportunities or the the people or the community until recently. Mm-hmm. But everybody's so kind and welcoming. I think West Texas, um, it's beautiful in its own way, but it doesn't have what Kansas City has. Yeah, You know, and, and I ask that because I know uh, 
uh, a friend of mine who actually comes from San Antonio, she said, uh, when she came here to the Art Institute and said, how many wonderful opportunities we have here in the arts community. The problem for her being a Latina, uh, she says, you know, it's just there's a lack of diversity in that. But I, I know that you've been in some group shows that are had really been based around Latinx, yeah? Uh, I have, uh, thanks to the Migrating Assembly of Stories and Art, the MASA. Mm -hmm. So, and I think we have some stuff cooking up next year as well. But Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is anything um, you can talk about? <laughs> <laughs> nothing yet. Uh, yeah. I, I know one of them would like to do a, a surrealist exhibition, so I think I might help her with that. So mm, I would love that. You yeah. know, and when we were sitting in, in the green room and we were kind of talking and all that, uh, you opened up your sketchbook, and I thought, oh, my go goodness, this this woman never stops because it's just filled with beautiful ideas and, and drawings and all that. So you're not just 3D, but you're also... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my sketchbook's probably yeah. one of my favorite things. I think uh, a lot of the exhibition, and unfortunately, not too much of it is in, uh -huh. is present on my Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. Most of it, I think, is on the Instagram of Seed Crusher Projects. Mm -hmm. um, but that work was sort of also inspired by my sketchbook. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I kind of all of the work plays into it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's really beautiful. You know, I know that uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, about, well, uh, the the person that said uh, dead things could be the start of things. Uh, you know, is there a lot of sort of uh, dead or the concept of death and life that that's seen in your work? Definitely cycles. I know yeah. that I use a lot of uh, butterflies, cycles. for example, yeah. and that kind yeah. of is that marker for cycles. Uh -huh. And also like mushrooms and, and fungi and, and spores and, and, uh, and um, yeah, yeah, I do recall seeing a lot of that <laughs> in, in the work. And, you know, there's something that that just really made me happy because, you know, again, seeing your work, it, it some of the pieces really feel very trippy um but i loved it yeah yeah um i think one of my favorite things has been color and, uh -huh. and patterns and uh, -huh. uh and yeah do you ever consider making prints from your sketchbook because they're like like i said i mean they're really lovely and you know maybe on a vellum or something like that i mean is that something that would be of interest to you or, or a printmaking I do. Um, I think I'd love to make prints, uh, and I'd also like to somehow find a way to publish it. First, I'd like to finish yeah, it. Yeah. I think I'm in the process yeah. of getting it scanned and, and photographed. But You know, yeah. for me, I, I, I love to go to, to artist studios. I love to go look through the books and all that, because I think it's it's not only informs me of, about that person, but I also, it gives me so much more energy uh, versus the finished piece. I love seeing the p finished piece, but I love seeing that thought process of, of what it took to get there and, mm -hmm. and all. Um, what are you currently working on? Because I know you said uh, you were working with fabrics and Yeah, uh, I had mentioned yeah. that um, I think I finally figured out my yeah. uh, my way of working. So um, 
right now I think I'm working on upcycling sweaters and, mm-hmm. and working through my fabrics. And I have an opportunity to paint a mural. Today will be my oh, good. third day working on it. Yeah, I've never. Where, where's this at? Um, that'll be in one of my friend's homes. Oh, nice. Um, oh, nice. and it's been really fun doing that because yeah. I think I'm, I work so much smaller. My uh, sketchbook, yeah, my, yeah. my little sculptures. Yeah. Um, the largest things are probably my quilts, but those take pieces and months mm-hmm. to make and kind mm-hmm. of attach and build up. But this is a whole wall. Wow. And um, so in my head, I've been trying to like, okay, let's take this pencil. Oh, mm-hmm. things aren't mm-hmm. large enough. So now I've learned, oh, my whole body needs to go to you, go with it. Do you find it challenging or is it liberating for you when you work that large? Um, I think that it feels liberating. Yeah. It feels much I think it felt. I think most things I've I've never done, like being on yeah. the radio or <laughs> making a, a mural, um, uh-huh. that it's intimidating. But I think this year I've learned just say yes to opportunities, and even if you're scared, just go go for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's really smart because you never know where you're going to land or what other opportunities yeah. uh, will come from from that. If you just joined us, uh, Art Speak Radio on KKFI. I'm speaking with Fabiola Calimayar, and we're talking about art and her art. And, you know, one thing that that I'm curious about, well, I'm curious about a lot of things, but uh, in terms of your sewing, were were you raised sewing? Did you take it, study it, and, and school or is it just something you know this is what I'm going to do and just one day began to sit down in front of a sewing machine or how did that begin it started at KCAI I'm I'm grateful (laughs) for all the things they've taught me but um yeah being a painting student I really wanted to try to take ceramic classes and um, I really wanted to take fiber classes but they were so hot in the market that um eventually um I got in a couple and uh I loved it um I think it's a a beautiful thing to learn and mm. um i remember a professor mentioning that it, it's also like a dying art not many people know how to sew so that's interesting yeah i yeah i i don't know if i would agree with that did you also have to uh weave was this in the fiber department yes okay. um yeah. i didn't take a weaving class unfortunately yeah. i maybe in the future though i feel like i'm always interested in learning new things you know uh Getting onto a loom and, and tying off all your threads and counting all that, I yeah, that was that was a struggle for me. But I just <laughs> wanted to you know get to that process where you you've got your warp and weft and all that. Um, but I just wondered if that was something of interest to you, maybe down the road or I believe yeah. so. Yeah, if anybody um, has any offers, I, I'll take it. Um, yeah, I think I'm a patient person when it comes to my art. I think, uh, especially for the the solo exhibition that I had, the mm-hmm. piece in which was Besos, mm-hmm. um, it was seeing all the work together and and really thinking about it and saying, oh yeah, I remember breaking like 20 needles just to do this thing, wow. or I remember yeah. my sewing machine not being able to, so I had to hand stitch everything, mm-hmm. um, or getting headaches just because I couldn't figure out what color would work with this pink, mm-hmm. um, and being, yeah. You know, and, and, and a lot of things have become uh, so technically advanced with sewing machines. I mean, there's certain programs, certain sewing machines that you can program to have this created or that is that something that would be of interest to you oh um yeah definitely yeah. it sounds 
Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, sewing is, I don't know necessarily if it's a dying art, but, I, I you know, um, I think it went through a renaissance with a lot of the project runways and, and all of that. And when you look at Etsy and some other places, you see a lot of upcycled, you know, shirts and, and clothes, clothing, you know, that's created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we're going to take a real quick break. I need to play take two. And uh, we're going to be right back with Artspeak Radio. Stick around. Hi, I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two, two takes at a movie currently playing in theaters or streaming. May, December is a most interesting Netflix film. Though fictional, it's loosely based on the late 1990s scandal involving the 36-year-old teacher, Mary Kay Letourneau, who became sexually involved with her 13-year-old student. Their ongoing affair landed her in jail for years, but when she got out of prison, they married and had children together. Two Oscar-winning actresses give nuanced performances in this tricky movie. Portman plays an actress who visits Moore's character, the convicted child rapist, in order to learn how to portray her on film. Could this film stand on its own if the filmgoer did not know about the truth of the real scandal? Julianne Moore's acting is authentic, successfully playing a self-deluded woman who is both calculating and naive. Natalie Portman's character comes across as somewhat unstable, getting her own identity caught up with Gracie's. May-December is obviously inspired by the classic 1966 Igemar Bergman film, Persona. Inspired by the theories of Carl Jung, it's about a nurse who cares for an actress who has suddenly stopped speaking. And over time, the nurse has difficulty differentiating herself from the actress. The storyline seems to go off the rails as relationships with all the players gets blurred. All these storylines getting kind of crossed and mixed up. I'll say this, after watching, filmgoers will certainly have a lot to discuss. May-December is a dark, unsettling drama with nervy comic undertones. It's smart, but frustratingly uneven. I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two. You're listening to Artspeak Radio on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Maria Vasquez-Boyd, and we're talking to Faviola and we're just talking about art and you know it what what a joy it is to, to create something and you know we're happy that you're here today and, and talking about your work so you have a mural that you're currently working on and you have some upcoming projects yes um the mural uh starting or i guess finishing the sketchbook mm-hmm. and then i also i think i got invited to give a talk at the Kansas City Art Institute for a workshop this spring. Um, I need to contact Jose Faust um, pretty soon about it. But You know, I love that. Is that going to be for the students or is yeah, it open to the public? Um, okay. it'll be a, a workshop in regards to, um, I think, like recycled, upcycling, yeah. um, finding materials. So I think I'll, I'll fit in. So... <laughs> When you're scrounging around for materials and all that, what are you kind of drawn to for your work? Ooh, I think it ranges from anything. Um, Like, 
I think in the beginning being here in, in uh, West Texas, it's, it's basically cactus and sand. Uh-huh. There's not really too much. Um, but like lovely, I, I've, I've been here and I've just been collecting seeds for a while and leaves. And, and then from there, sort of like lost earrings or broken trinkets and kind of adding them into sculptures and remaking them and kind of fixing them and giving them a new life. You know, as artists, we, we're kind of... I won't say hoarders because I, I don't I don't like that word. It just it seems so negative. But there's always something that you're going to keep for something else later on down the road. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you don't know what it is, but you know you know it when you see it, and you're going to hang on to it. I like that. Yeah. Uh, again, share with us uh, social media platforms where we can find you. Yeah. Um, my Instagram is Fabiola Calimayor. Um, you can see most of my work at the Seed Crusher Projects. Um, it is my solo exhibition still going on. Oh, it's by appointment, and you can just message them. I think that we're also planning a um, a closing reception, so I'll have more information on that sometime in January. And then there's also the Migrating Assembly for Stories and Art, and their Instagram's just Masa. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, keep creating. Your work is wonderful, and we love having you on. And it won't be the last time, right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you so now much. Now that you know it's easy peasy. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be right back with Artspeak Radio after this. Hey, KC. It's Warren Williams, also known as Dub. Inviting you to check out my show, Dub's Groove, now airing on KKFI on Wednesdays from 3 to 6 p.m. I serve up a veritable feast of classic R&B and soulful jazz. I slip in some Latin, gospel, deep cuts as well. Listen live at 90.1 FM or online at kkfi.org. If you miss a show and like to catch up, search the internet for KKFI archives, and you'll find the last two shows there. Check it out. You might just dig it. KKFI is emptying out our closet, and you can help us. Most items in our prize closet are at a discounted donation. Who wouldn't want a cool KKFI hoodie to keep warm this winter? Or a cool pint glass to stuff in a stocking? Go to www.kkfi.org to find out more. Supplies and sizes are limited. And don't forget to use code FREESHIP at checkout for free shipping. Thank you for supporting your community radio station. We're back. Artspeak Radio on 91, 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. I've been here for 12 years. you think I'd remember to say, yeah. Anyway, we have Kim Lindeberry on and just wonderful uh, to have you back in the studio, Kim. We're going to talk about creation and your work and everything since you were here last. <laughs> of course, last time you were here, we talked more about, oh gosh, what is it? The AI. Gym. Yeah. Artificial oh my intelligence. Gosh. Huge. I had the pleasure of joining Kim in his studio earlier this week. And uh, we're going to talk about sort of where you are in, in your work because uh, it was fascinating. Uh, the the amount of work that I've, I've seen and you continue to create. Well, thank you, thank you. It was a real pleasure having you come uh, and look around and, yeah. and, and share your thoughts about the work. It's always nice to have those kind of conversations. Yeah, I, I saw uh, a lot of sculptures and, and you know, really some, some great work. You wanna talk about that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the point of being yeah. here, I guess. Um, well, uh, yeah, my work, uh, 
first off, let's let's start off with uh, KimLindaBerry.com. Good. K-I-M-L-I-N-D-A-B-E-R-R-Y.com. And I, and I did fix that. On okay. The, and on Instagram, then, it's uh, Kim.LindaBerry. So uh, you can find me on both. And uh, the website has... Um, uh, it's not updated as, as, it's not refreshed or updated as much as uh, Instagram is. Instagram's where you're gonna see the newest work or work mm -hmm. in progress. Uh, website is gonna have work that has been uh, completed and finished and I, I don't just throw part, partial pieces mm -hmm. on there. Uh, but um, if you go to both of those, you can also see my full, or go to the website, you can see my CV and resume. Uh, are there as well as uh, the artwork um, to get into kind of to as an introduction to my work if you read what is on the KKFI website uh, it has a, a, a short artist statement but if you don't mind I'd like to take yeah, a second please. and and just read what is on there uh, my statement is like people before me, I wonder about the universe, creation, annihilation, life, death, existence, and non-existence. My work explores the dynamics of the cosmos and the science myths and religions that humans build to comprehend those dynamics. Recognizably humanoid, my beings are imbued with hidden meaning and paradoxes. They're unbound by normal human existence, and through them I speak to issues of the here and now, the past and the future, of terrestrial and transcendent existence, binary or non-binary. They speak not only to the nature of seeking to belong with another, but search for individual identity. So my work really is um, most of it, although there's there's a, a lot of diversions, but the main theme has been my uh, humanoid type uh, figures. They're definitely either, uh, we either evolved from them, mm. we will mm. evolve into them, but I call them travelers. And uh, my, uh, I had a show at the uh, Lady Volkos Gallery a couple of years back uh, that I called Travelers in the Middle of Time. And I try to use these characters of, we are at the present, we are in the middle of time, there's a past behind us, there's a future ahead of us, but we exist really only in this exact moment. And so I, I try and use these characters to, uh, these, these beings, to explore some of that and, and how, we, how we exist. Um, my, uh, m currently, I, I, I'm kind of uh, moving into um, working with uh, Janus figures, what I refer to mm -hmm. as Janus figures. And uh, the Janus figures are either a two-faced figure or also uh, figures that have two heads. And uh, if you know anything about Janus, Janus is the uh, Roman god. Uh, he was a Roman god uh, with two faces, and he's kind of the gatekeeper between the past and the future. 
And in that context, he also stands right at the middle of the time. He stands in that doorway between what has been and what will come in the future. Um, he's, uh, one second here, I got it. Uh, Janus is the Roman god of religion and myth. I have to refer to. I have to refer to my note cards, folks. Um, the Roman god of religion and myth, uh, god of beginnings, gateways, transitions, times, duality, doorways, passages, endings. Janus stands at the doorway between the past and the future. In essence, he stands in the middle of time. Now. Um, he is really, you know, it's my characters are, are are dealing with a lot of times with duality, but they are they do not have a specific. Um, I can't define them mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that there is multiple layers. They are a paradox that, you know, if if you had another person attached to you at the shoulder, what kind of duality is that? What kind of paradox is that the two two beings existing within the same uh with the, with the same body and you know and I, and I think they offer so many possibilities i would also say for our listeners as as kim's talking you know um google kim lindaberry and you know find out what these look like because it's it's hard it's hard to get a, a, an understanding of, of what these characters look like and and how they uh, are created, um, but they're just so wonderful. And the way you define them as Janus figures, I think, is helpful. And and travelers at that. And well, I'm, I'm and, and travelers, oh, I think, travelers, yeah. because they they are, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, we all, Very. everyone's a traveler. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. try to make these that they are something that we we all are. are yeah. Uh, we all can identify and be we are travelers, that we are m moving through middle of time. We are, every moment is the middle of time. And I'm not trying to be heavily yeah. philosophical yeah. or anything like that. And I'm not trying to start a new religion or anything <laughs> like that. I'll I'm sign up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think there's an ambivalence about these figures and sort of, uh, I think, you know, when, when I've looked at them, I know that I bring my experience and what I see to them versus, you know, what your statement may be about or what this person thought about them when they, you know, looked at them or held them because they're, they're, they're not only uh, just connected as Janus figures for me, but I love, too, that they're made of different materials. And that, that changes sort of the, the, the definition uh, of, of them, too, in my mind. Right. And, you know, I, I've always been, uh, well, I will, should say, I had a, a, a professor in graduate school, George Beasley, and... Uh, he was, he believed strongly in that you use the best material to define what is, what you, what it is you're making. Mm -hmm. And he said, it doesn't matter if, if what you have are twigs and sticks and branches, what matters is the craftsmanship and the thought that goes into it. So, uh, but you know, I'm fortunate. I, I, uh, I have uh, a degree in ceramics, mm -hmm. and I have a degree in sculpture, and I've taught myself an awful lot of digital 
uh, work back in, I started back in the 1990s. And with that digital realm, I've been able to take my figures and, and transform them into other materials. Mm -hmm. uh, and each, each new material really makes a difference. Uh, as you saw, I had those little small, uh, the figures had, I transformed to uh, uh, sterling silver. I have a couple of small ones of sterling silver and they're really very bright and shiny or one that's uh, 18 karat gold plated brass. You know, it's, and as you said, it was really interesting that you said uh, about how the ancient Egyptians mm. used to uh, take small things, uh, shiny objects, gold pieces, and bury them, uh, uh, put them Layer in the wrappings, them, yeah. wrapping layers of the mummies and stuff like that. So yeah, the materials really do change in it, and it really can affect how you interact with the piece. Also the scale, you know, like those figures I was just describing that are silver, they're like three inches tall. Um, the uh, uh, but then I have figures that are uh, up, upwards to, well, I've got 18-inch yeah. figures, and then I've got four-foot-tall figures. Um, when I made them originally, uh, the four-foot figures, that's where I really started on these, mm -hmm. kind of. I, I mm -hmm. didn't start small. I started at four-foot, and I wanted to make them four-foot so that they were, again, they're humanoid, but they do not, uh, they're not to be human. And mm -hmm. when I made them also, I was very specific and very uh, careful mm -hmm. about making them both exactly the same, same height. There's a male figure and a female figure originally. Uh, from there, they evolved into the uh, uh, non-binary figures, uh, started, you know, kind of took them apart at the waist and started swapping parts. And, uh, and from there then, now they've also evolved where I've started attaching them back to back, uh, putting uh, or, like I said before, one head next to another, mm -hmm. like a male head next to a female head on a uh, uh, transgendered body. And so I'm just trying. Yeah. There's just so much to try and wrap yeah. in. <laughs> no. Like you say, everybody brings to them, yeah. brings to the yeah. artwork their own perspective and their own influence. Um, and you haven't even touched on the fact that you've, you've digitized them so that you also have these brilliant uh, photographs or oh. images of them that, it, you know, adds a whole other layer and, and then, uh, you know, to, to these travelers. Well, I mean, really. Well, yeah, thanks. Yeah. It, it, it's, well, I, I, you know, I had to get them uh, just for practical mm -hmm. reasons. Um, I wanted to... Make them so that they could go on a wall. Yeah. So that yeah. they're the, so that they're not just the three D image. Uh, that the images can then be manipulated and then mm -hmm. painted and colored mm -hmm. uh, in Photoshop. I use a lot of Photoshop. So, uh, so my my stretch of, or my range of materials is, you know, clay, mm -hmm. uh, clay, wood, uh, bronze, aluminum, metal casting digital, uh, polyester resin, uh, all kinds of different materials to work and play with. Um, I like that. Yeah, I like that. But, um, so I was trying to, again, I've got note cards here, <laughs> trying to um, think about where, 
where that we're going or where I came from, uh, yeah. potentially. And I did get my uh, bachelor degree at the Kansas City Art Institute in ceramics and, and an MFA at uh, Georgia State University in Atlanta. And then after that, uh, I stayed around Atlanta and then moved back to Kansas City because although I'm not native to Kansas City, mm -hmm. I'm more native. I've lived more of my life here than anywhere else. And yeah. so it, it really is a great place to be. Uh, it was interesting to hear. Uh, I, can't, I can't pronounce your name. Fla Flaviola. Flaviola. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know how she's come here and she's stayed in that the art community here and so it, it's it's a place that you really it's a good place to be and stay yeah. I think. you know and and as you were talking about the materials and I'm watching Fabiola and I'm seeing like these little wheels and I'm thinking you know what would what would happen if you two like partnered your figures with the sort of work she does that could be really interesting. Maybe. I, yeah. maybe. maybe. <laughs> I'd be interested. Yeah. <laughs> maybe or maybe not. But, you know, um, I, I think your work is, is profound. And, again, working in metals and bronze and, you know, the 3D printing. And there's so much work involved that, that I saw uh, in your studio that I'm, I'm really excited to see where you land next because I think um, – I saw recently, I think on Instagram, you're working on some sort of a housing or a boathouse or something. But I think uh, there's there's always something going on yeah. with you, Kim. I Thanks. love that Thanks. about you. Well, there's yeah. a, there's always more ideas to make yeah. than I have yeah. time to do. I'll I'll For never real. get them right. all done. Right, right. You know, um, I think you're you're blessed with some <clears throat> great knowledge of technology. Um, and yeah. and this desire to create, I mean, that's really where, where it's at. You could have stopped, you know, a long time ago, but it's just you keep pushing these figures. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm real excited to, to see uh, more, well, more work. Well, well thank you. I, I'll, I'll be showing <laughs> it to you. <laughs> Good. And, and drawings, too. You know, I want to thank you. Kim for, you. for joining us on air today and you'll be back we'll, we'll have no, you back we'll have you both back Fabiola Calimiar thank you for joining us today also uh, John Brick and Donna Davis thanks for coming out and you know I want to say next week we have a um, uh, Doug Drake is supposed to come come on and uh, Doug. Yeah, yeah he's supposed to give me a, a list of jazz music and uh, yeah he's going to be a guest uh, next week Paulina Ortero will join us and that's going to be next week I believe is that the 20th uh, stay tuned for jazz afternoon and uh, yeah we'll be happy to um, have you aboard KKFI you know I want to say um, something really quick uh, I want to say our blessings and love uh, is with our beautiful Robert uh, who recently passed and uh, this song is for you Thanks for listening.